we're in Titus chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to be looking at this morning sound living. What's sound living? The word sound, interesting word, it means healthy living. It means, it means whole living. And you know, we're in a new year here, and a lot of us want to be healthy. And a lot of times what we do is we focus too much on the health of just our bodies. Now, that's important. We should be healthy. We should have our goals for losing this much weight in the new year or getting in the gym again or getting our 10,000 steps in or whatever you do. That's okay. It actually says in 1 Timothy, it says this. It says that bodily discipline is of little profit. There's some profit in bodily discipline, but godly discipline is of much profit because it's profitable not only for this life, but for the life to come. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is, is how to have sound, healthy living, not just physically, but spiritually. How can we have sound living in the way we live spiritually? And we're going to see some guidelines for five different categories of people. We're going to see guidelines for older men. We're going to see guidelines for older women. We're going to see some guidelines for younger women and younger men. And then we're going to see some guidelines for our work. How can, we, how can we be healthy and sound in the way we do work? So just good, sensible stuff today on living soundly. It's actually in chapter uh, 2 we see in verse 1, verse 2, and verse 8, we see this word sound. The word sound being healthy living. So let's jump right in. If you're at chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, say amen. And there we go, guys. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says this. But as for you, <coughs> Paul speaking to Titus the pastor... On the island of Crete, if you remember. But as for you, Titus, speak the things which are fitting for, what is, there's a word, sound doctrine. Now the first thing is, if you want to be healthy spiritually, you've got to have people in your life that are speaking sound doctrine to you. Now why is that important? Because as a man thinketh, so he is. And the scripture is very clear that a part of having sound living is having sound doctrine. A part of, part of living right is having the right belief system and the right teaching going into your life. Very important. Because it says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And if you want to have sounder faith and sounder living, you've got to have, uh, put yourself in positions where you're getting taught the word of God and you're getting taught sound doctrine. That's why I, I, I camp on this, but if you want to be growing spiritually in 2020, you want to be a healthy spiritually, you've got to get yourself in church and stay in church. This is where we're going to hear God's Word taught. Wednesday night service, too, you're going to hear God's Word taught. Men's breakfast, women's breakfast, women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies. Get yourself in a position where sound doctrine is coming into your ears and going into your life. That's so important because sound doctrine will lead to sound living. It does. That's true for me too, by the way. It's very important for me as your pastor. I want to not just be giving out sound doctrine. I want to be having a regular intake in my own life of sound doctrine. That's why I listen to uh, podcasts of other preachers all the time because I want other people sowing into my life sound doctrine so I could sow into your life sound doctrine. I listen to Pastor Chuck, founder of Calvary Chapel, every week. I listen to Joe Foch, Calvary Chapel pastor in Philadelphia, just about every week. Damian Kyle, out of Modesto, California. I listen to the sound teaching of God's word, and I sow it into my life so I could sow it into your life. We started this Bible college on Thursday night. Great stuff. I mean, but it's, it's a lot. It's three hours. It's three one-hour classes with eight-minute breaks in between. And, you know, I, and I, I got my MDiv. I have my graduate degree in theology and everything else like that. But I've decided with Heidi, along with 60 people in our church, we're all doing Bible college together on Thursday night. Why are you doing that, John? 
because I want to keep putting myself in a position where sound doctrine is being sold into my life so I could continue to have sound living also. Thursday night was funny because, um, I don't know about you, but but between like 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock at night, my natural melatonin in my body starts kicking in. And I don't know about you, but about between 8 and 9 o'clock, man, it's, I, I, I have a hard time keeping these eyelids open all the time. Heidi could t- attest to that. When we're watching TV between 8 and 9 o'clock, Pastor John gets a good nap just about every night. So that's, I'm in this habit a little bit, and so we're doing Bible college, and you know, we're, I get through the first hour, Thursday night, fine, I'm flying through that, and it's a lot of information. Between 8 and 9 o'clock, second class, the eyelids started getting heavy. Next thing you know, I'm dozing off. And next thing I open up my eyes and Pastor Mike's looking across the cafe, like this at me. Because Pastor John's sleeping. So take comfort. If you fall asleep with Pastor John teaching, I fall asleep sometimes too. God, praise the Lord. You know, but anyways, so why do I do that for three hours on Thursday night? Because I want to keep putting myself in a position where sound doctrine is being sown into my life. We all need, to, we all need that, Amen. So it says, hey, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Verse 2. Now, the first category we're looking at for sound living is older men. And it says, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. So older men. Who's that? We got, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm sorry. I don't want, you, I don't want anybody to raise their hand, okay? And when we get to older women, I really don't want you to raise your hand. Okay, older men... <laughs> Well, in, in Acts chapter 2, it says that the older men, uh, or younger men are going to see visions, and older men are going to dream dreams. And for some reason, I've been dreaming more dreams lately. Really have. More vivid. But it's true. That's a part of, of, of being an older man, I think, is God starts giving you dreams. And, but anyways, Roman Empire, older men was 50 and older. That's a good gauge. I think it's still true today. You get over 50, you're, you're getting older, man, category. Actually, in the Old Testament, if you were involved with the Levitical priesthood, you were taking care of the temple. At 50, you were supposed to retire and then mentor the younger Levitical priests and take them under your wing and not have the, uh, the temple duty, but mentor the people that were doing that. So older men, probably 50. My problem is I'm, I, I, I'm in this category, but on the inside, I feel like a 20-year-old spirit. And I do stuff to my body a lot of times where I ain't supposed to be doing that anymore. Can some of you guys relate? So older men, let's, let's look at our list, older men. I'm in the category, if you're over 50, you're probably in this category too. Older men, if you're going to have a sound life, it says, first of all, be temperate. Temperate. You know what that means? No translation? Sober. It means actually, it can be translated, staying away from alcohol. Why is that important? Because the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, it says this, be of sober spirit, same word, sober spirit, be on the alert, why? Because your devil, the devil that your adversary is, prowling, your adversary is prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour you. And especially in those last days, the devil's pulling out all the stops. And he wants men that are godly to be tempted in this area and in, in, in bondage to something besides Jesus, and that could be alcohol. Be careful, guys. Be really careful. There is a thing called the midlife crisis, and way too many guys get pulled into not being sober in spirit in their latter years, and we need to stay away from that. And we had, I had my 40th high school reunion this last 
fall. I didn't go up in Chicago. One reason was they slated it for the same weekend as our men's conference. But after seeing the pictures from the high school reunion, I'm, glad I, I'm kind of glad I didn't go because everybody was getting drunk. That was a part of the deal. And I didn't go. And in and, 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 and some ways I was thinking, these guys with all these pictures on Facebook of friends getting out drunk and everything else, I was thinking, they're still in high school. Time to grow up, right? Time to grow up. I'm my grandpa, who I'm named after, when I was, I, was I, I found out in the latter years, so, uh, basically in his uh, 50s, he kind of went through a midlife crisis, and he started drinking too much. And, and, and I remember he stopped, and his, after, the, after that period of midlife crisis forever, he was a godly man, and he loved Jesus, everything. I remember talking to him one time, well, Grandpa, what happened in those those early years in your 50s, you, you know, I'd heard you had started drinking too much and stuff. And you know what he told me? He said, I got on my 50s and I started doing business meetings for lunch. And those lunches started becoming liquid lunches with other business people in the real estate community. And then I realized in my 50s, my kids started growing up. And then my kids started getting married, he said. And then I realized it was time for me to grow up. And he said, stopped it. Stopped it in its tracks. That's a good word. Be a sober spirit because, again, our enemy wants us to get enslaved. But the Bible says, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine for that's dissipation, but be filled with what? The Spirit, the Spirit of God. So we've got to be careful, older men in this area, of being sober. And then it also says, older men, be dignified. Dignified, the word dignified, interesting word. It means honorable. You know, we hear that statement by that famous comedian that a lot of men have resonated with, I get no what? I get no respect. And a lot of men feel, I get no respect. But men, you want respect, live a respectable life. And the Bible says, as older men, we should be dignified, we should be living lives of honor and not foolishness. Respectable is what it's talking about there, be dignified. And then also it says, older men, be sensible, the word sensible there is just make sensible decisions. Don't live again in foolishness. Live in sensible, sensible life. The word uh, sensible actually means, um, again, sound in mind, self-controlled, moderate in your passions. Be sensible. If you want to have a sound life, live a sensible life. And again, sensible life starts with sensible decisions. And as we make decisions based on this book and let this book guide our decisions because this book is a lamp unto our feet, a light on our path. What happens then, this book guides us into sensible decisions that lead to sensible directions that lead to sensible destinations. And I don't know about you guys, especially in my latter years, I want that. I want a life that's going in a sensible direction, not a foolish direction. And you got to base your decisions, not on your flesh, but on what the Word of God is teaching us. Sensible and then it also says, older men, be sound, again, healthy, whole in your faith, your love, and your perseverance. Faith. Guys, as we grow older, let's be guys that are growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's be growing in our faith. Let's be growing every year as we get older that we can look back on the previous year and say, hey, I grew in my faith this last year. 2021, I'm more like Christ than it was in 2020 because I grew in my faith in 2020. Growing in faith, then it also says, older men, grow in love. 
grow in love. You know what our greatest commandment is? It's right there, right on that wall right there. The greatest commandment from the Word of God is, guys, love God, love people. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. This is the first and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Love, love your neighbor as yourself. And guys, as we grow older, let's grow in love. Let's not become a bunch of grumpy old men. Well, my kids never call me anymore, and I don't understand. They're busy, and I know, but they never call me anymore. Well, are they not calling because every time you talk to them, you're grumpy? I'm just saying. We should be growing as we grow older in our love for God and our love for others. And then we should be growing not only in our faith and our love, but growing your perseverance as you grow older. What does that mean? You don't give up on life, man. Grow in perseverance. Keep doing what Paul said. Keep fighting the good fight, finishing the course, keeping the faith. Keep being like Paul that, that made it, even towards the end of his life, he said, I'm pressing on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Some of my heroes in the faith are men that 30, 40, 50, 60 years into the ministry and serving the Lord, they keep serving the Lord with passion. Billy Graham, all the way up into his 90s, was writing books. And he was doing, I remember in his early 90s, he did a whole one more outreach with Franklin Graham. And we played it here at the church. And he did from his log house up in North Carolina. He did another outreach and presented the gospel in his 90s. We need to be, have perseverance like that, guys. As we grow older, we be, listen, the cool thing about growing older as men of God, we become, as we grow older, we become more usable. You know why? Because we got more wisdom. We got more years under our belt. We could be used by God in our latter years to mentor younger men and be an example of these things of sensible living, of godly living, of living in faith and living with, with sober spirits because we're on the alert in our last days, in our latter years. Amen, guys? All right, so let's look at the next category. Older men now. Actually, King James says aged women. <laughs> Older women. I'm not going to give an age for this one, Okay. I don't want to dig too deep a hole here, but older women, if you're in this category, I'll give you an age. I'd say probably over 50 is a good gauge for older women also. Interesting, in the Roman Empire at the time, the age of death, average age of death in the Roman Empire when this was written was 43 years old for women. But one of the reasons why they died so young, there was such a low age for that is because of childbirth. And many of the ladies in that, in that, that genre in that time they died in their 20s or teens from childbirth. You ladies should be grateful for C-sections today. I know you say, oh, that's the last I'm grateful for. But yeah, you should. It's, it's, it's a lot better culture today for ladies, especially with childbirth. But older ladies, what are some of the things we're told here for older ladies that should be on the list for sound living? Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Ladies, as you grow older, grow in holiness. Actually, the King James Bible says older ladies should be, be living lives that are becometh, or becometh holiness. Holiness. You know, I was reading an article several years back about a lady who was famous on TV for years, still is famous on TV. Her name is Betty White. Remember Betty White? And Betty White, uh, I, it drew my attention a little bit because she had just celebrated her 90th birthday. And it said in the beginning of the article, she's from Oak Park, Illinois, which is the town I grew up in. I had no idea. So I started reading the article and everything else, and about halfway the article, I had to quit reading the article because this 90-year-old Betty White was being interviewed, and she was being obscene and profane and saying things like, oh, she's 90 years old, and she's saying that, oh, like this. 
And I'm going, I stopped reading the article. It just didn't fit. And as, especially Christian ladies, as we grow older, grow in reverence for God. Grow in your holiness. Because the younger generation needs, again, your example. And then it says, um, older women likewise will be reverent in their behavior. Not, listen, not malicious gossips. Now the word malicious gossip in the Greek, there is one word, it's diablos. Guess what English word we get from diablos? Devil. And it actually, the word devil actually means a slanderer, a false accuser, someone who's involved with gossip. Because that's what the devil does. Revelation chapter 12 says the devil stands before our God day and night, accusing us and slandering us before God. But we overcome his slander and his gossip about us by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so ladies, as you grow older, don't get involved in slandering other people or gossip because you're, no, you're never more like the devil than when you're slandering and saying bad things, especially about God's children, brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have something to say about somebody, make sure you're not slandering and you're gossiping them. And hey, if, you gotta, if there's something negative about somebody, the best person you could talk to them about it, you know who it is? Pray for them. Talk to God. But the Bible says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up according to the need of the moment, that it might give grace to those who hear it. Again, Bible college, Thursday night, I was listening when I wasn't dozing off in the second class. I was listening, and we had James, and one of the books we're studying in Bible college is James. And he did the whole chapter three on Bible college, and he talked about the taming of the tongue. And I, I learned some things on Thursday night as he was talking about the taming of the tongue because one of the things he said he does as a pastor is when there's a third party that comes to him and says, did you know that this person in this church is saying this about you and saying this negative thing about you and is downgrading you and you know, saying bad things about you? You know what he's learned to do to tame his tongue? Is he makes sure that when that accusations and that slander is being brought to him by a third party, he says about that person that slander him, he says, well, I'm surprised at that, because that person's a Christian and loves the Lord. And that person I've seen this good in and I've seen this good in see what he's doing there? He's turning around the slander into something that he could say something positive about that person, and he's diffusing it, and he's not participating in more slander, instead of saying something bad about this person that said something bad about him. But what do we do oftentimes when someone says something bad about us? We have to, we're going to bring up some dirt about them. Don't do that. Be higher than that. Be greater than that. Be godly, ladies, in that. Older women, don't get involved with malicious gossip. And then it says also, older women, don't be enslaved to too much wine. Look at the word enslaved there. It means in bondage. I was reading this week some statistics, and you know there's a whole part of our population, a, a, a good percentage of our population in the older years of ladies that get involved with alcoholism. And, and, and because of boredom, because of too much free time or something, they get enslaved to wine. Don't go there. The Bible makes it clear that if the sun sets you free, you're supposed to be free indeed. You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. Don't be enslaved to anything but Jesus Christ. I was reading this morning, all things are lawful for us in 1 Corinthians 6. It says all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for us, it says, but don't be mastered by anything. I don't want to be mastered by anything but Jesus Christ. And we got to be careful, especially, and I know I'm tooting this horn a little bit this morning, but we got to be careful in the area of alcohol because it has the ability to get you in bondage again. And you can lose your freedom there. Don't be enslaved, it says, 
to much wine, teaching what is good. Now, this is interesting because these are older ladies. And it says, older ladies, one of the jobs that you have now as you get older is to teach to younger ladies. You know, some ladies, after the kids grow up and after the kids go gone, they feel, feel like they've lost their purpose. They don't have anybody to teach anymore, to help anymore. The kids are gone. Empty nest syndrome. But hey, listen, if your kids are gone and they're, you know, they're in careers and other cities or wherever else, find some younger ladies you could sew into. Teach them, man. Our younger generation of ladies need your, your, your godly wisdom. They need your advice. They need your mentorship. And you should be teaching them. Teaching them what? Look what it says. Teaching them what is good. And so older ladies, find some younger ladies to teach what is good. Verse 4, that they may encourage the young women. First thing, older women should teach younger women to what? Look at verse 4. Love their husbands and love their children. Now that's interesting. Because the word love there, original language, it's not God's love, which is agape, it's phileo, which is a fond affection. And so one of the things the older ladies you can teach, the younger ladies, have a fond affection for that husband you're married to. Have a fond affection for that kids that you still have in your home, younger ladies. You know why that's important? Because I've seen it. I've seen it in our family. But when you start having those little kids, you start having the preschoolers and the elementary age, then teenagers, man, you get busy, don't you? And not only do you get busy, you get exhausted, and then you get exhausted, and you start losing uh, fond affection for those kids that are wearing you out, and then you start losing a fond affection for that husband that's not helping enough. And one of the things you could do, younger ladies, on your list of sound living, keep a fond affection for that husband. Keep a fond affection for those kids. And listen, older ladies were supposed to teach younger ladies that because some of these older ladies probably were widows. And they could teach the younger women, you know, while you got them, have a fond affection for them because you never know how long you're going to have them. Same with the kids. These older ladies could teach the younger ladies, hey, don't blink because before you know it, those kids are going to be gone while you got them. Have a fond affection for them, those kids. I'm, I'm an empty nester right now, and I, I'll, t- I'll attest to that. I wish, I, I wish we had the smartphones when my kids were growing up because my, my daughter-in-law keeps sending all these videos and pictures just from the smartphone. So easy. Remember those old camcorders? They were such a hassle. Now we just got little Apple phones. You could take video, and I keep getting Snapchats, everything from our kids, and, and I, I wish they had taken more pictures because it seemed like, bam, our kids are gone. But young ladies, while you have your kids, while you have your husband, have a fond affection for them. Love them. Love that husband. Love those kids. It'll help you live a healthier life. And then it also says, be sensible. Younger ladies, be sensible. Again, make sensible decisions. That's important. I'm seeing as a pastor, it's amazing. I've never seen this much, but I'm seeing way too many younger women having not only uh, nonsensible decisions, but making decisions that are putting their families in jeopardy. Walking away from their husbands, walking away from their kids, not making sensible decisions. Again, stay in God's word and live God's word so you can make sensible decisions as younger women. And be pure. That's a hard thing for younger women today because they're getting brainwashed and just bombarded with worldliness in the media today. There's way too many negative role models for younger women of impurity. And I don't care what the latest hippest styles are. Stay with the word of God 
and live pure, holy lives as younger women. And then also says younger women be workers at home. Whoa, boy, I'm digging a hole here. Workers at home. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you can't work outside the home. It means literally translated domestically inclined. What does that mean? You take your home seriously. And you want to take care of that home. You want to make it a good place for your family. Workers at home. Kind. That's important because our God is kind. It's the God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Here it is. Another hole I'm digging here. It says, younger women, be subject to your own husbands. What's that all about? That's archaic. We're living in the, in the feminist generation. Hey, well, here's all it's saying, being subject to your husbands. Learn to come under his leadership. You know why that's important? Because, <coughs> again, your husband's greatest need isn't a Hallmark card. I know we just had Valentine's Day. You probably got a Hallmark card for your husband. That's fine. But his greatest need isn't a Hallmark card. His greatest need isn't flowers. You know what your husband's greatest need is? Respect. He's getting disrespected all week long out in the work world. He's, he's, very few people are showing him the respect as a man that he wants. When he comes home, if you show him respect and allow him to be a leader in your home, wow, he'll go a long ways for a healthy home in a good environment for your kids to grow up in. Now, does that mean you allow your husband to be a dictator? No. And guys, little insight here. That doesn't work. That dog doesn't run. Okay? You want to be a dictator? You ain't going to have a good marriage. The Bible says that Jesus was not a dictator. He was a servant. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. As guys, we should be servant leaders. But as we're servant leaders, it'll be easier for our wives to follow our leadership. It'll be easier for our wives to respect us and all because we're serving. And so it says there, wives, come under the leadership of your husbands, be subject to your own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Likewise, verse 6, urge the young men to be sensible. Is that an oxymoron or what? Young, sensible. Especially, here, even worse, young men, sensible. It is possible. It is possible. You know how young men you can be sensible? It's being a young man of, man of the word. Again, allowing this book to be the one that is a light unto your path and a lamp unto your feet. Don't gauge your decisions based upon what the culture says. Don't ba- gauge your decisions based on the, what your flesh wants to do. Be a man of the Spirit. You're going to have a whole lot better life. God's not mocked. You're going to reap what you sow. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. There's consequences for decisions. And so let's be sensible but as young men, be sensible. And then it says, and young men also, in all, all, all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. With purity in what again? Doctrine. Dignified. Live an honorable life. Even as young men, live an honorable life, a dignified life. Also, interesting, verse 8, young men, be sound in speech. What does that mean? It means you're not having garbage coming out of your mouth all the time. Because out of the abundance of your heart, what happens? Your mouth speaks. And so we need to tame our tongues if we want to be sound in our living. And especially young men, it's so easy out there just to adapt to our culture where especially young men around you are saying dirty things and there's garbage coming out of their mouth and you're trying to fit in with that. Don't go there. Be different. What does the word holy mean? Set apart for God's purposes. As you're different, don't be conformed to all the garbage that's out there. Be different because the world's watching. When they say that you're not participating in 
filth coming out of your mouth all the time. When they see you're sound in your speech, you're not using those four-letter words that everybody else at work is using. They're going to see a difference in you, and they're going to wonder why you're different. And you could tell them it's because of Jesus. Jesus has not only changed my heart, he's changed my mouth. Be sound in your speech. Interesting. Which is beyond reproach in order that the opponent <coughs> might be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. You know what that's saying, young man? Live in such a way that if people are saying bad things about you, they'll be ashamed because it's not true. I saw a guy the other day that was wearing a shirt and said, hey, live in such a way that the preacher doesn't have to lie about you at your own funeral. It's a good word, isn't it? Be sensible, be godly, be sound in the way you're living. And you say, well, as a young guy, it's so hard to do that. Listen, our whole movement of Calvary Chapel was started with young men. They were on fire for Christ. Did you know that? What happened was Pastor Chuck, founder of Calvary Chapel, started discipling these young men. They were in their teens or in their early 20s. Discipled them. And God set them on fire. And then they became Calvary Chapel pastors that started huge ministries around the country. I'll give you just a few names, and you'll recognize some of the names. These are guys that were teenagers, teenagers or 20-somethings when they started going to Calvary Chapel, the very first Calvary Chapel. Greg Laurie. Now he pastors Harvest Christian Fellowship, which is a 20,000-member church with crusades all over the world. He was a 19-year-old when he started the ministry under Pastor Chuck. Mike McIntosh, he was pastoring the largest church in the city of San Diego. He has 40-plus churches that have started from his church. He's all over Mexico, churches that have started because of his church. He was 22 years old when he started Calvary Chapel. Then we got guys like Raul Reese. He was in his early 20s also. We got guys like Jeff Johnson. We got guys all over the country. Uh, we got Joe Foch in Philadelphia, huge Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia. He started in his 20s too. So young men can make a huge difference as we get what it says and how we're supposed to live. It's huge. Get some young men on fire and some young women on fire. It's going to affect a whole generation. That's what I'm praying for in these last days, by the way. I'm praying that we as older men and older women will be like Pastor Chuck and Kay, his wife, will disciple younger men and younger women, and they'll get on fire for Christ. And we're in the last, I think in our generation, we're going to see the return of Christ and the rapture. And right before that, I think there's going to be a revival, and the revival's got to be sparked with young people that get on fire for Christ. But it's going to take older men and uh, older women to disciple older or younger women and older or younger men. And as we do that, we could spread the fire to them and the wisdom to them and the godliness to them. And we're going to see another revival. Amen? So let's do it. Let's live these things out. Now, the last thing that we're going to see in these last few verses is work. How are we going to be sound? How are we going to be healthy in our work? Now, it's in context of slaves. We don't have slaves today. I know some of you feel that way. You get to work on Monday morning, you feel like a slave. You're not. But in the Roman Empire, there were 60 million slaves. In some cities in the Roman Empire, there was three slaves for every free person. It was the working force of the Roman Empire. It was the blue-collar workers of the Roman Empire were the slaves. So these principles for these slaves are principles for us if we have a boss and we have work to go to. How are we supposed to work? Let's close it up. Verse 9, it says, Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters. We could say this, urge employees to be subject to their employers and everything to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, 
not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Here's what I'm saying about work. Three things, very simple. First of all, be subject. Be under the authority of those that are employing you. If you want to have sound living in your work, make sure you're under the authority of those you're working for because the rest of the world, a lot of the rest of the world's not. They'll be boss pleasers when the boss is there, but they'll say negative things about the boss, they'll say negative things about work, and they're not under the authority of those that, are, that are, they're working for. And then also it says, and don't be argumentative. What does that mean? The word actually could be contradicting. And that's just sensible. You want to keep your job or you want to get a raise or you want to get promoted, don't be arguing with the people that are employing you all the time. Don't be argumentative. Be in unity with those that you're working with. Be supporting and loyal to those you're working for. It'll go a long ways in sound living. And lastly, it says don't pilfer. That's not a word we use very often, is it? What's pilfer? Steal. Do you know, I was reading a statistic this last week. It was interesting. It said that retail businesses across the United States are losing more money from their employees stealing from them than from shoplifting. It's crazy. Their employees are ripping them off more than the shoplifters are. Don't be there. Don't be taking stuff from work. And and by the way, if if you're hired to work eight hours... Don't work five or six because in a sense you're stealing from your employer if you're being paid for eight hours you're only working four or five or six hours. Don't pilfer. Hey, listen, Christians should be the best workers in the marketplace. They should be the hardest workers. They should be the most loyal workers. They should be the ones that are, are, are helping their businesses they're working for more than anybody. Why? Because Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works. And they too may glorify your Father in heaven. And it's a big part. Our work is a big part of our, wisdom, of our witness. And the cool thing, as you do these things, as you're good workers, you're going to get promoted. You're going to get raises. You're going to be blessed in what you're doing because you're doing it right. Amen? So what did we learn this morning? Older men, you're supposed to live lives, again, that are temperate, sober, dignified, honorable, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, you're to live lives that are reverent in behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teach what is good. And then younger women, how are you supposed to live? You're supposed to live in such a way that you love your husbands, love your kids, find affection for them, be sensible, be pure, be workers at home, kind, subject to your own husbands, that the word of God might not be dishonored. And younger men, how are you supposed to live? Sensible, again, sensible, go back to the scriptures. You're, you're an example of good deeds, purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach. And lastly, how are we supposed to work? We're not supposed to be argumentative. We're supposed to be subject to the ones who are working, coming under their authority and their leadership. And lastly, we're not to pilfer. Don't steal. Be good workers. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. Father, I pray that you give us the power of the Holy Spirit to live these things out. We can't live in this godly way we've been described without the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And so, Father, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit this morning and empower us to be living soundly in these last days. God, we are getting close to the end. I really believe that. I believe the rapture is just right around the corner, God.
And so, Father, with that in mind, help us to be sober, to be on the alert, because our devil, the adversary, is prowling around and wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. In the midst of that, Lord, help us to be people that are choosing to go the way of your word, Lord, choosing not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind that we prove the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, Lord. Father, I pray for older men in this room right now. I pray as we get into our older years, our 50s or older, Lord, I pray that you give us a burden to be godly in our example, in our decisions. I pray that you give us the ability, Lord, and the power of the Holy Spirit to be setting the example of holiness in our lives for the next generation, God. Forgive us, Father, when we're not temperate, dignified, or sensible in our decisions. Help us to get back to that, Lord. Help us to get back to being sound in our faith and our love and our perseverance, Lord. I pray for the older women in this room too, Lord. I pray that they'd be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, but not enslaved to much wine, but teaching what is good, Lord, and not only teaching it, but living it, Lord. Empower the older ladies in our church, Lord, to be mentors of the younger ladies, teaching the younger ladies what is good. Father, I pray for the younger ladies in this church too, Lord, that they would Love their husbands and love their kids. Give them a fresh affection, Lord, for their husband and their kids, Lord. I know they're busy. You've got a lot going on. I pray by the Holy Spirit you'd put a new fondness in their hearts for their husbands and their kids. And God, I pray too that you'd help the younger ladies in our church too to be sensible and pure, workers at home, kind, coming under the leadership of their husbands and and allowing their husbands to have respect in that home. I pray for the young men in our fellowship, Lord. Let them be sensible. Let them be an example of good deeds. Let them have purity in their doctrine and be dignified. And Lord, guard their mouths. May they be careful in what they speak. May good, godly words come from their mouths, not trash and unwholesome words, Lord. And Father, I pray for this last area of your work. I pray that you be, let us be the best workers out there, Lord. Help us to be people that are working in, in unity with those that we're working for, God. Help us not to be arguing and argumentative at work, Lord. Help us not to be stealing either, Lord, or pilfering, whether it even just be our time. Help us to be devoted to those things you've called us to do at work, Lord. Help us to be the best workers in the culture, Lord, because that's a part of our witness, Father. Just thank you for your word that is so practical, Lord. And now, Lord, as we've learned these things, help us to live it even this week, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to be sound and whole and healthy in the choices and the lifestyles and the decisions we make this week, Lord. Bless us with just your power, Lord, to do that. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.